put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Hey, hey, greetings. Welcome. Bless you guys in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hope you brought your space suit. You're getting ready to go up. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets the name of yad Hey vav Hey is to be praised. Amen. What does it mean to be praised? To be magnified within the soul. Praise, we know this verse, that praise shifts the atmosphere and hallelujah. But I tell you the truth, an attitude of gratitude will change your latitude. <laughs> and latitude. <laughs> Amen. So some of us, we just need to bring our hearts, which is our feelings and emotions, and just give them fresh to the Holy Ghost today. You're not allowed to be in charge of your feelings and emotions. When a human being decides how they feel and how they relate emotionally to others and react to others, they've taken their heart off the altar. And it ain't going to feel good in the end. And Jesus is no longer Lord of their hearts. If you're in charge of your feelings and someone harmed your feelings and now your feelings don't belong to the Lord, guess what? That person, well, there's the demon used them or whatever the case to control your heart to remove it from God. So repentance isn't always something you've done. Someone might have done something to you. A lot of times it's your reaction. So we need to react to God as the lamb slain on the cross. We need to react to others. We need to react to situations and circumstances a certain way. It's called crucified with Christ. Lord of my emotions, <laughs> master of the universe, God who is in charge of how I feel today. Amen. The sacrifice of joy. I bring him a sacrifice of joy. What gift can you give God? You can give him a fruit basket of glorified emotions through your submission to obedience to his Holy Spirit, the river of life, the Holy Ghost flowing out of your belly, full of scripture, full of encouraging words. It's hard to be discouraged when you have the indwelling comforter and encourager constantly quoting the Bible to you from the inside and it's you're getting uncorked so if you're not experience experiencing continual joy continual feelings of overall well-being and being loved and cared for and taken care of and comforted despite uh, any kind of external situations then that means you may need to be uncorked from some type of dirt or some kind of scorpions or snakes that have stopped up your well now what is that well spring of life it is something that you'll need to guard and protect it's not something that you're going to want to uh, funnel into other people out of a need for something or someone other than Christ to be your source of love and feelings of well-being right that's addiction to false love so once you get that uncorked you're gonna wanna 
funnel all of that right into Christ. All your emotions, all your affections for it is written, set your affections on him. And so when the affections go after earthly things, they go after girls and gold and money, boys and gold and money. So wanting to be surrounded with friends who say nice things to you. Well, it's nice to have friends that want to say nice things to you. But if your affections are set on the temporal things of this life, then you're not going to be spending a lot of time setting your affections on Christ. But I tell you the truth, if you set your affections on Him, and you lavish your love upon Him, you spend your time loving the Lord, you spend your time caring for the Lord, walking with the Lord, talking with the Lord, listening to the Lord, that's a good one. A good relationship is made up of uh, people who are good listeners. The Lord is a great listener. Have you ever heard him listen to your prayers when you're going on and on? When maybe you were upset about something and he listened? He's a great listener. So we want to be like the Lord and be a great listener. How can we obey if we don't know what he said? And we won't know what he said if all we do is live in our head. So that's thinking about, you know, when you walk around, are you just living in your head? Are you thinking about people and places and situations? Who said what to you? Fifteen years ago, they did you wrong. You know, how you're at such a disadvantage emotionally because of, you know, some kind of trauma. Someone hurt you. Somebody else did something to you. But if you just get out of your head and live, not just live in the moment, you can be a charismatic normal person. You know, normal people who do, you know, self-mastery they learn to live in the moment and when you do that you can you know take control of your life you can get things done you can enjoy your life but it's not going to be really satisfactory and fulfilling unless you're living in the holy ghost what does that mean it's like living in the moment but ever present with the lord consciously aware of him ever present and dwelling within you and you're listening to him and you're enjoying him and he's enjoying you enjoying him enjoying each other and that love when you establish that rainbow connection of shekinah glory to the holy ghost the master of the universe your lord and savior the seven spirits of jesus christ who live within you he likes to talk about jesus he likes to talk about the father and he'll tell you things about the kingdom how to walk in the kingdom how to live in the kingdom he might even make you a spaghetti dinner Last night, I was sitting in the presence of the Lord. I was sitting in the Holy Ghost. I'm not sure how that works exactly, but I sat in Him. And I was sitting there, and the most delicious aromas of that Texas toast, <laughs> garlic bread, and uh, maybe it could have been a French baguette, but it was the thick bread with the garlic and the seasoning. And it was the marinara sauce on the pasta. Now, when I've had dinner with the Holy Ghost in heaven, we had a pasta dinner. I know, matter of fact, the Holy Ghost loves a spaghetti dinner. There's no question about it. And I could smell it. I could taste it. And the Lord was going on about this dish. It's like he had a cooking show, and I was his audience. And it was delightful. And... 
There was so much, you know, we're learning about the garlic, being able to heal all sicknesses and disease. He's talking about, you know, it was like a culinary display of glory. And it was just delightful because, number one, it felt good, it tasted good, and it smelled good. And it was satisfying to my soul. And what is the benefit in having a spaghetti dinner with the Lord, you might ask? Well, there's a lot of things. Communion with God is unto life eternal. To know God is to have eternal life. So we want to know him more. And when you want to know someone more and you, you like them, you may uh, ask them to go to a dinner with you. You may invite them over to your house. You might uh, meet their friends. You might meet their family members and talk with their family members. You might exchange gifts. Now, what kind of gift could you have to give to an all-knowing, all-powerful God who has everything, knows everything, and is the best at everything ever? And he has everything in the world. Starbucks gift cards. Amen. So if you want to send us a Starbucks gift card, you can go ahead and click the links in the description below. And I would love to go uh, have a, I'll go to Starbucks <laughs> with the Lord. Add that to the list of the things God hates. Shadrach, Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> That's fun. You know, I was actually interested to hear uh, what kind of coffee uh, sweetener or flavorings do you, uh, people at home watching, or you people at work watching, you know, somebody's watching, you watch it at work. What do you like to put in your coffee? And don't tell me. I know some people are too holy for coffee. Well, I'll tell you this. The Lord likes to hear about this. Yeah, the Lord rebuke you. <laughs> well, I was talking to the Lord about it. And, you know, I said, uh, and this is what we're broadcasting. I went up ten weeks, ten worlds of repentance, drinking coffee and eating dessert. So I don't think that that's your problem <laughs> if you think... That's the problem, unless, of course, there's some kind of self-hatred or gluttony in there. That could be a problem. Blame the idols, but nope, it's your own heart. <laughs> right. So, anyway, uh, no amount of dieting will get you higher in the Sephirot. Amen? Amen. Dieting is not our salvation. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's not what goes into the mouth that corrupts huh? the body, but what comes out of the heart, Jesus said. Amen. Amen. So, wonderful time with the Lord having a spaghetti dinner. Now, you might say, well, what's the point? We talked about what's the point in a way. But I'll tell you, the last time I had a spaghetti dinner with the Lord in the heavenlies was some years ago. It was before we met you know, Apostle Shadrach. It was before those things came to pass. I left my body, found myself in heaven, at a table, in a restaurant, in heaven. There are restaurants in heaven, yes. And I'm sitting at the table... With the Holy Ghost, a faceless man of fire himself, appearing there in a form for me to be able to kind of look at and connect with in that way. And my plate of spaghetti looked like it could have fed six small children in Africa, okay? It was a huge plate, and somehow I was not sinning in gluttony. It was a giant portion. The portions of food are huge in heaven. Amen. It's abundant life. It's l abundant life with no sorrows attached. No one's sinning with their eyes looking at the spaghetti. There's no lack. You feel like you have everything that you need. 
and it's just a wonderful thing. They had a band playing live music, live jazz music on the stage. There's a saxophone, really good music, really cool vibe, and uh, we're just having a good time. And I don't know how many people are like this, and I'm one of those people, maybe you're one of those people. We're in heaven. I'm with the Holy Ghost himself having spaghetti dinner, and I'm getting a little bored. <laughs> the Lord's not boring. But I said, you know, why don't we do? It's not It's not like boring as in on the earth people are bored, but, you know, things in heaven are a little bit different. I said, why don't we go do something a little exciting or shake it up a little bit? I oh, of course, he likes that. Oh, yeah, let's go do this. Let's go do something. Let's get into some trouble tonight, Aaron. You know, the Holy Ghost like go likes to get into the trouble. <laughs> there might be some of that going on in heaven. You never know. Check the bingo hall. <laughs> Somebody's eternal dream is heavenly bingo. I'm sure of it. I'm sure it exists. And so he takes me, and we go flying over the earth in some dimension where everything looks kind of blue. You look through that blue covering the spirit, covering the waters. And I see all the countries, we're flying over Africa, and there's one country golden, sparkling with glory. In all of Africa, no other country was sparkling, glittering with glory all around its borders. And it was Kenya. And so we flew down, and we landed in this witch, hot, witch doctor's hut. And this witch doctor was so deformed. You couldn't even tell if it was a human or an alien or a demon. It kind of looked like a combination of all, all three. three. <laughs> exactly. Shrunken heads around its belt and all over the place. All kinds of things. Grass kind of skirt, a little paraphernalia headpiece. And I started laughing in the Holy Ghost. I started laughing. And this witch doctor screamed in terror. That's all it takes. And fire, like the seraphim, came out of my mouth. And we were laughing. And everything was burning. It burned down the whole place. Burned down everything. Burned down the whole hut. And burned down the witch doctor. So Glory joy is like a, a furnace. Yeah. So don't be so obsessed with just going to heaven. You should go to heaven. I hope you do go on trips to heaven. And, you know, while in the body, you know, uh, to be able to be in the, what do you call it, the frequent, I call it the uh, frequent flyer club. You know, I want to be a member of the frequent flyer club. That's, you know, there there's a, there's a special privilege first class flight zone and that takes a certain attitude of heart and permission of God. But that's something you can ask for, right? So if you have not, just because we ask not, but if we ask and we don't have, it's because there's a wrong motive there, so check the motives, cleanse the intentions, and keep asking, and keep changing, and keep repenting. And who knows, maybe you'll be a member, and that would be really fun. So what's the benefit in that? Again, we had a good time. And what's more thrilling, what was more thrilling than dinner in heaven with God, was going and tearing it up with the Holy Ghost, going and performing the Father's will, terrorizing darkness, destroying the works of darkness. We are coming to destroy the works of darkness and have a lot of fun doing it with God because when we're with God and in God and it's for His glory and it's for His namesake, YHVH.
and he gets the honor and the praise, and the religious demon doesn't get the praise. And we get to participate with our Father. And that is the most fun possible, is spending time with the Lord. The Holy Ghost is the Lord. He's the only God on the earth right now. The Holy Ghost is God. And He is Lord of our lives. So if you want the Holy Ghost to be Lord of your life, just put your hand on your belly and say, Holy Ghost, I want you to be the Lord of my life. My Lord, my Master, may I be a servant of yours, Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. That I may serve you, that I might know you, that I might love you more and love your people, and that I might, with you, destroy the works of darkness through my own repentance unto life. In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit's the only part of the Trinity that's both on earth and in heaven, according to 1 John chapter 5. So what is the Holy Spirit difference of the earth Holy Spirit and the heavenly Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says He's in both places. Jesus is in heaven. The Father's in heaven. The Holy Spirit's in heaven. Now the Holy Spirit's on earth. And the blood and the water on earth. 1 John 5. I tell you the, tr the truth. Having the Holy Spirit on earth is salvation. But having the Holy Spirit in heaven is ascension. So you ascend in the Holy Spirit, but what is the manifestation? That's the glory of God. <laughs> the difference is, this is how you could be a, a radical Pentecostal, like so many millions are, and they speak in tongues and all these things, but you, they don't know anything about the joy of the glory. In fact, they don't even understand why you're just completely whacked in the glory. You're just fried in joy ear to ear, smiling so intensely because they don't understand the glory. Jesus entered the joy set before him, which is the same as ascending into the heavenly glory. So the heavenly glory is the heavenly manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So how do we get into the glory? First and foremost, we get into the Holy Spirit on earth. He cleans you up on earth. He makes you God inside minded. First Corinthians six nineteen. Your body is the temple of Holy Spirit. And then the apostle asked the question, "Well, who's in you? Whom have you received from God? One Spirit, the Holy Ghost." Now He wants to do a work in your heart to get you out of the earth. Now anyone that obeys the Holy Spirit is no longer earthly, but becomes heavenly. Even if they start out in the worst denomination. Most of these great prophets and people that pioneered the glory of God the last 400 years, they started out Catholics, they started out Baptists, they started out Satanists, they started out Mafia, they started out everything wrong and dumb and stupid in the entire earth, but they got into the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost isn't blaming, the Holy Ghost isn't accusing, He's just transforming. He doesn't even care about your past, He cares about your potential to yield to Him to create a new future. Come on. So, your friendship with the Holy Spirit is your door into the heavens. So, how you deal with Him on a daily basis. Now, the Holy Spirit will never break rank. As it's written, He will glorify me. He will only speak of me. He will not break angelic authority. 
but you'll often have all these other familiar spirits around you. Areas of uncircumcision are areas of demonic influence. Those are the areas that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He wants judgment in that area. Judgment from the Holy Ghost always produces freedom and glory, prosperity, and the joy of the Lord. And you'll have peace that passes understanding. It will be God manifesting in you. The only action you have to take is yield and obey to the Holy Ghost. And so sad, so few ever do. They just yield to the demon. They yield to the fear. They yield to clinging to the natural realm, their own ideas and opinions about everything. It's like pastoring cats for the most part. But God the Father says, I will have a new group of people that will obey me and honor me and walk with me into realms and they will not resist my spirit nor what my spirit wants to do with them. God's going to have a people that are fully yielded. Fully yielded means fully resurrected. The areas where you're leaning a different direction that the Holy Ghost is not leaning, you have an opinion that disagrees with the Holy Spirit, those are areas where you are demonized. So it usually comes in religion, politics, rebellion, every single subtle thought that goes on inside your soul, you need to take account of it. Your thought life is your spirit life. Beware if your thoughts start to darken towards the apostles and they start to illuminate on other people that aren't pioneering righteousness. You know, Luke chapter 7, it says very, 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 very strictly that because of the acknowledgement of angelic rank, Jesus associated faith with the Roman centurion. Faith is not what you think. Faith is an acknowledgement of angelic rank in Luke 7, according to Jesus Christ. Not such great faith have I seen in all Israel. What did the guy do? He simply said, I'm a man under authority and I recognize your authority. He recognized angelic rank. Therefore, Jesus said that's great faith. That means that all the Israelites that were rejecting him or just calling him a prophet or, you know, maybe he's just an apostle or blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Who is this man? And then you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, right? They, the disciples would say, well, blessed are you. My father has revealed that to you. These sorts of things were measurements of faith of what they thought Jesus was. Now, Jesus lives inside his people. Your measure of faith is the acknowledgement of how much of Jesus is in others. Your Jesus that's just flying around in space that's not associated in the human body is the devil. You need that right now. Because the earth is only filled with the believers who have become the body of Christ. The issue is, have we acknowledged what that even is? What does it mean to have Christ in us? It's the fullness of deity in bodily form. Does that mean we go around worshiping each other? Not at all. <laughs> we go around honoring the Messiah in those that are obeying God the Father, which Jesus said, if you can acknowledge the rank that that person is surrendered, surrendered and obedient to the Holy Ghost in, then you will have the great faith that does all the healing. Right? So the... the 
centurion's daughter was sick she's healed because of an acknowledgement of angelic rank here's the issue the body of christ doesn't acknowledge angelic rank at all they don't even know what it is honestly it's, this is probably a new concept for most christians even though it's thousands of years old in the scriptures angelic rank is the rung that your soul stands on today if you are zealous for the earth you're completely lost most christians are zealous for the rank and the rung of the earthly that's as lost as you can get that's like that's the old garment that's going to be rolled up and thrown away so if all your investment is in the old garment that's going to be rolled up and thrown away guess where all your works are going to be rolled up and thrown away those are not eternal works so you want to have short-range plans and you want to have long-range plans and in those long-range plans be sure that your works your time and your investment your money your time your efforts are invested in that garment which does not fade away that does not fade in glory which is the new heavens and a new earth so the old is being done away with and to be honest the father is bringing and drawing people who don't have to be convinced of who the apostles are they don't have to be taught for years before they believe but he is going to reveal to them and he's already revealing to them his apostles so they don't have to be told they already know because it's been revealed to you by the father those are the people who will have the greatest inheritances throughout all eternity and they have merited it as they hear the father and he's the one to tell them so uh, for those of you who are faithful don't be so heartbroken if people are stiff-necked or some people don't get it some people are you know they might take time but understand that god is drawing those to himself who are pure-hearted tender-hearted and who will love his leadership who will love one another in spirit and in truth in purity of perfected love those are the people who will walk through the ages they will not see the grave they will do the highest and mightiest signs wonders and miracles and they're not hunters they're not going to be hunting others to walk in it because they know you don't really get anything out of that lifestyle that's a lie so many people have lived a lie and are living a lie some are repenting of that lie but understand the great army of the lord that's coming are the ones who the father has revealed his apostles to and they know it yeah so it says in joel and none of them break rank now this isn't just like this uh forced submission like joining the army where you march in order with a drill sergeant beating you and forcing you to do push-ups if you get out of line this is how the angels have always worked and it is incredibly freeing and it is incredibly fun it is not like the pressure of obedience and submission that you have in the flesh in the sinful nature the enemy has to force it upon people it's called communism dictatorships all this nonsense psalms 110 says we're volunteers in the day of his power so it's a completely different mindset going from 
the same words but completely different manifestations. So the enemy likes to corrupt the words where you hear obedience and they cringe and submission and they cringe and tithes and they cringe or whatever triggers you. The demons want to corrupt important words that can be used and glorified in righteousness. So when in the future they're used by the leaders of the glory realm, people have all kinds of wounds associated with the words that God uses in his own language of wisdom that they won't learn wisdom. So we have to acknowledge how much the enemy has tried to pollute, corrupt, and hurt the language of learning the things of the Spirit. That is one of the main strategies so that people are triggered into trauma. I mean, you can't go through Christianity and not be traumatized. It's just not, I mean, it's not possible. You go to church, you're going to get betrayed. You're, they're going to gossip about you because you got a bunch of sinners getting sanctified together, and it's a mess. It's like cleaning fish, according to the scriptures. Cleaning fish is messy. There's blood. It draws the flies in. You got to keep the flies off. And so this is a messy business. It's the priesthood. Every single day, they'd go and get covered in all of the blood of the animals, and there'd be smoke and the burning of flesh, and it's, it's messy. All of that is for your understanding of what the process is going to look like. It is not clean. Afterwards, there is a cleanliness. Like it says, I give you fresh, clean garments each morning, which is the mercies new each morning. So in the morning... Sorrow may last for the night. Joy come in the morning. The morning reveals yesterday's priesthood work. To not get messy in cleaning up this world and, and dealing with your heart issues, your soul issues, your house issues, your business issues, your priesthood, your family issues. You deal with all this stuff as priests. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And you do have to burn the stuff. You'll have to burn up everything. I've come to bring fire and burn the whole earth with it, Jesus Christ said. Which means everything that you know as human and fallen is going to be cleansed with fire. Is it destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah? Some of it. But it's mostly purified into a new fresh form. So when fire comes, it's like you're still in the body, but you know you're cleaner. You're crystal clear and sparkling. Are you in a different body? No, you're not. It's just the fire burned through the same exact body you were in an hour ago. But when you leave Joel's bar, like every day we talk about this, is like, man, the release of glory. You feel so different in the same body just an hour later. That's what the fire does. The fire cleans everything. The whole earth will be cleansed with fire. And the higher you ascend in the Sephirot, and the more tiferets that you get inside your divine body, the more fire you're going to bring down to cleanse the earth. So there is actually prophecies. This is wild stuff. And, I, you know, I, I definitely don't support the Masons like uh, George Washington was a 32nd degree Mason. But he said some stuff that was pretty wild. He said that the Lord would come like a thousand suns. And he said there'd also be another war. There'd be three wars on American soil. There was the Revolutionary War, there was the Civil War, and then a future Civil War. He had some pretty wild prophecies, and some people consider him a prophet. I don't. I think he was up there clippething. 
because I understand what Masons do. But I do believe that some of those things in that heavenly realm of the thousand suns coming down, that is going to happen. That is absolutely because the Klippeth does practice a deformed demonic form of righteousness. Sorcery is a demonic form of what righteousness in the original design is. And it always includes the luminaries. You cannot be a righteous person and not be standing on a, a rung, on a planetary system in a constellation. It's not possible and it's not biblical. You will have to ascend rung upon rung of Jacob's ladder. This is the very gates of God. What was the gates of God too? If you read the Bible, Genesis 28, the stars, the stars. That's exactly what the scripture says. It's the gate to the stars. It's a stargate. Jesus Christ, I am the stairway or the stargate to the Father. And now we understand and learn how the stars are used as a ladder to God. And what happens when you ascend a thousand stars? Your measurement of ascension is the pressure that comes down from the, the level you've risen. That's the fire that's going to cleanse the earth. As it's written, Noah raised a standard of righteousness and condemned the world. So he actually went up in an internal elevation. He climbed the Sephirot. Noah was a, a Kabbalist. Every single righteous person in the Bible was Jesus Christ is a Kabbalist. The apostles are all Kabbalists. And if you don't think so, you just don't know yet. But it's the truth anyhow. It's absolutely true. It's simply working on the stars over the earth, according to Genesis 1, in the original design of the government of sun by day and the government of moon by night. Now, the enemy has used God's creation because you don't have a single world leader right now in any nation that's not a clippeth Kabbalist. Because that's the only possible way you can have government over nations. They're just doing it with the seven mountains of Esau, which are the prisons of all the demons. So Zion will rise and lord over Mount Esau, Obadiah 121. This is the year of Obadiah chapter 1 verse 21. It's the year of Zion rising, which is true righteousness the true path of the moon and the true path of the sun and the true path of the stars. This is the true path that God wants his holy people on. It's the narrow path as it's written. It rises in righteousness to the full dawn of day. No, full dawn of day is a reference to the sun. And they'll shine as the stars in the heavens. Daniel 12, 3. All these things go together for a people that will eventually go cosmic and have dominion over the earth, and have dominion over the rungs and the elevations of the ladder. So you have Jacob's ladder. Well, guess what Esau has done? Had its own little ladder through the seven mountains of the demons, and they're right outside. They're not inside the ladder, okay? They're not inside the stars. They're not in the original design. They're not in the word as it's written. They're outside the city gates. So God's original design is perfect. But what they've done is they've put all these things up outside it and they pretend like they control it all when they absolutely do not. They shudder in horror at the idea that some of you will actually understand this. Because this is what Joel's army is destined to, to conquer and reign from the stars over the earth for a thousand years, as it is written, 
Revelation 5.10. And they shall rule with me, Messiah is speaking there, over the earth from the heavenly angelic sphere for a thousand years. So where is the millennium reign of Christ? The Bible says from the realm of the overcomers of those who live in the heavens all the time. Do you know you can live in the heavens all the time? There's a resurrection for your inner man. There first must be a realization of the glory, a knowing of the Spirit on earth and allowing the Spirit to change you. And you change on the inside, and that's the invitation to go up to where the angels are. The angels are at their posts, two-thirds of them. You know what the posts of the angels are? Moon, moon sun, and stars. The posts of the holy angels are the moon and moons and the sun, suns, planetary systems and constellations, and there are angels of Jesus Christ over everything. You can't even imagine how many angels are. In fact, the Bible tells you you've come to Mount Zion City of unimaginable amounts of angels, innumerable, it says, beyond counting, myriads beyond counting over everything, over every molecule, atom, element, star, sun, moon, blade of grass, city, nation. See, the enemy has deceived people to think he's got the whole world on lockdown through the potent sorcery of Babylon the Great. The only thing he's got on lockdown is the deceived human heart and the deceived human brain. That's it. Once you're not deceived anymore, the enemy don't have nothing on lockdown. God is God. He's enthroned in Zion. The Father reigns almighty over everything. He's just looking for people to come out of the deception of the devil and the power of darkness, which is simply lies, and the seed of the evil one and the corruption of flesh and blood that serves the false gods, that serves the false Jesuses, the false Holy Spirits everywhere. Man's own opinion about everything, the stubbornness, the sinful pride, the knowledge about God instead of the experience of God. Two different worlds entirely. So what we need more than anything is a better relationship with the Holy Ghost. As it's written, He will teach you about me. So what does it mean to be taught of the Holy Ghost about Jesus Christ? John 14 through 16 is all about when the Holy Ghost comes, how He's going to transform you into the exact likeness of Jesus Christ, King of glory. King of the Jews, King of Israel, King over the heavens, King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, he wants you one of the lords and one of the kings. In fact, you can't even enter the city unless you're a king. Amen? It's true. Amen. <laughs> Praise the King of glory. You must acknowledge the King of glory in all your ways and he will set your cosmic path straight. Acknowledge the King of glory in all your ways and he will set your cosmic path of righteousness straight enabling you to walk in it by what kind of shoes must you have cosmic peace the god of peace you wear him on your feet his humility is always seen in his footwear if you notice when jesus is wearing his outfits the footwear is always so humble representing his perfected Malkut kingship, which is perfect humility. Extremely fashionable choice. He can go anywhere with those Jesus sandals. You'd be surprised how fast you can run in them, too. Usain Bolt has got nothing 
on Jesus in the classic, iconic Jesus sandals. Oh yeah, he put to death that nefesh, didn't he? In his life on earth, he took upon himself the human nature. So he dwelt in a body. He took his God nature into an earthen vessel that had an opposite nature. And he conquered it. Because he is literally perfection. <laughs> That's our king. He is literally perfection in everything. And if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he will make your path into the cosmos straight. But usually it's the places where we want to justify our thoughts, our Christianity, our way of praying, our way of praising, our way of doing God's stuff, godly things. We want to justify our behavior. Some want to justify behavior at home the way you think and feel toward your spouse because you know that they did you wrong in some way. They didn't take out the trash. They didn't volunteer to watch the baby for you so you could have 15 minutes of time to do what you needed to do. They said the irritating thing, the mean thing, the wrong thing, and now you have your feathers ruffled because of some fallen nature activity at home or at work. And so there's a attempt in the human nature to justify those witchcraft prayers, praying your will over your spouse, praying your will over your baby, praying your will over your friends, over your prayer group, praying your will over your leadership. That's rebellion, that's witchcraft. Correction, in the words of Apostle Shadrach, upward correction is rebellion. That is the sin of witchcraft. Understand this. If you acknowledge the Lord Jesus in all your ways, which means all those ways that you attempt to self-justify and make excuses, those are usually the things that God is trying to work out in your life. That means the pressure is not going to release, it's not going to let up until you finally let it go and you give it to God and you surrender to His ways that are higher than your ways, His thoughts toward your spouse, toward your baby, toward your coworkers, toward your friends, toward your family, toward your leadership are much higher than your thoughts in your ways and you find that your thoughts in your ways however much they may come in the appearance of christian goodness are usually the very thing that's holding you back from knowing god in a much greater way with a much greater peace with a much greater anointing and power and more importantly obedience to the throne of god if you want to be close to the living God, you'll need to obey his word and not just 
your interpretation of the words that were written down a long time ago, but his interpretation of those words that he's speaking, even though they were written a long time ago, he's speaking them now. His ways. The Sephra is the learning of his ways. When Moses said, teach me your ways that I might know you, he had seen the Sephra, he'd seen the back of God. He'd seen his glory passing by him. But he wanted to know him. And God is known, that's yada, indicates relationship. An intimate knowing of God. Friendship with God. Moses, a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Brandon is a friend of God. He wants you to be his friend. God wants you to be his friend. Where does it start? A tenderized heart to those things written in the word of God that where there's hardness, where there's stubbornness, where there's pride of thinking we already know what he's talking about and having a tender surrender to what God is speaking into your life and that thing that you're trying to justify the behavior, the thought, or the action is the very thing that God has lovingly been bringing you through your dark night of the soul to work it out of you. When does the dark night of the soul end? I'm surprised that more people don't understand this, but there are three dark nights of the soul, and you do go through all three. So if you're just struggling with your first or your second, understand there are three dark nights of the soul. If you want to go through them as quickly as you can, it's going to depend on your surrender in those very same areas where God is trying to let you have you let go to let go of those things that look like God sound like God you learned it in Bible school you learned it from reading your Bible and figuring it out with your own mind your own heart that stand in the way of hearing him knowing him obeying him so self-justification is the enemy of grace and you need grace to rise. He's the spirit of grace. The humility is the root of all virtues, and it starts with receiving grace. But we cannot receive grace in the pride of self-justification because it is written, he gives grace to the humble. And when you begin to receive grace, instead of stealing grace, you will find a fountain of healing overflowing within your life. And that energy of grace is what causes you to rise into the cosmos through living a crucified life with Christ into the sephirot of Jesus. And that is the walk of faith. Revelation 1.12 Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And after turning, I saw. Word turning there can be repent. Notice that a person can't hear what God is speaking until there's a turning. And then after the repentance is complete, 
Revelation 1.12 says, Vision, I saw. So the process of repentance is the same in every area of your soul and all of your souls up ten worlds. There will be a turning, a repentance, which is a softening, a yielding, a humility. It's an act of humility. It's, I'm not going to resist in my thoughts. I'm not going to be stubborn in a metal mind. <laughs> I'm going to turn in my mind. I'm going to turn in my heart. I'm going to turn in my thoughts and my feelings and emotions. I'm going to turn and I'm going to hear one who is speaking. And when I turned and I heard the one who is speaking, I saw seven golden lampstands. That's the anointing. The source of all the anointing for everything God wants you to do in your life. It requires this, guys. You're going to have to learn how to hear, but it's always a turning into here, just like the burning bush. It's not just the booming where you're at right now. That's not how it works. The booming voice or God speak to me and, you know, if I, God's not speaking to me, well, you need to turn first. You have to repent first. Every time God commands repentance, then his word is heard. And after the word is heard, vision is imparted from that word this is the process forever of growing in the anointing amen so we need to examine what areas have i not turned that i am not hearing and some people think they're hearing but it's just familiars so you want to test all those spirits command them to confess that jesus christ came in the flesh as it's written and then look for the fruit you'll know them by their fruit not just knowing apostles, prophets, and real Christians by fruit, but knowing angels by their fruit. Amen? Invisible spirits sent to help you inherit damnation or salvation because you got both. Amen? And we don't want those damning angels. We want those saving, holy angels. And oftentimes when we're young in the Lord, we can't tell the difference. I mean, I have seen even the elect saved, as it's written in Jude, even the elect, which is the most prophetic people in the land, still be way off. We saw it last election. You had 98% of the prophetic church completely and totally backwards and wrong about everything. And then all of their books are sold in all of their bookstores. And very few apologies, very few for being wrong. We missed it. You know, some people humble themselves. God appreciates when you humble yourself and you allowed your humanity to be seen. Because it's not like, oh, just perfect divinity all the time. I'm an angel. Listen, man, you're sanctified in the midst of the congregation, which means there's going to be human parts of you that come off all the time. I remember uh, Paul Keith Davis would say, you got to change the bookstore every 10 years because the cassette tapes are different. Well, that was very true during the church age. But what's written on sapphire stones remains forever. We had to change and repent and turn and listen and see continuously to get to this point for 2,000 years of the prophetic legacy of John the Baptist, the spirit of Elijah. And now we can begin to walk on sapphire pavement in a word, a sure word of prophecy written in the heavens before we were born that we walk on that word. And it is the solid rock of the word. And this rock of the word the rock of ages is the sapphire stone pavement of moon and sun and stars that we have taught you in the holy Kabbalah of Jesus Christ. 
and you're going to have to get used to it. God will not give you another Christianese church age thing so you can say, oh, we're saved and we're winning and doing this. This is a revival that ends the deep state. That's not how it's going to work. You're not going to ever again have it your way or the human way or even the earthly church's way. It's over. The church age is over. In fact, that whole church age is going to get the goat's head battering ram. You know what that is? The mind of man filled with Christian ideas. The goat's head is the Christian head that's not renewed by the glory, but just by doctrines and theologies. Satan is a perfect theologian. Do you know that? You won't find him wrong in his doctrine, but you'll find him wrong in his spirit. <laughs> Right? He quotes the scripture nonstop at Jesus Christ in the Bible, but that's the devil. The devil always uses the Bible and the relevant covenant things of God to deceive the whole world. That's how First John says the Antichrist comes in the guise of Christ. We need wisdom to be able to hear and to turn. And it starts with us turning and repenting into the Holy Ghost. You ask Jesus in your heart, you know, he put a deposit in you you got to turn into Jesus, into your spiritual stomach, and begin to draw from that well. John chapter 4, Woman, I will put in you a well of eternal life that you'll never thirst again. I mean, how many believers have found that well of Jesus Christ's glory in their stomachs? You say these things nowadays, and they look at you like you're crazy. The stomach, or you know where my spaghetti is? Know where Jesus' spaghetti is. Amen. Where Christ's throne is. Through your spirit, your spirit is the connection to God. And the soul, soul is so dull. The nefesh soul, the nefesh brain. It is so dull. It, it opposes these angelic realities. It says, oh, it might be something else. That's just, it's so weird. It's so bizarre. To sin and darkness God is other. You can say it's weird and bizarre because the darkness comprehends nothing of the light. So the ways of light are going to be very strange to you. Nevertheless, you read about in Ezekiel 1, there's eyes and hoofs and there's horns and there's living creatures. And I mean, the things of God are strange to sin and to sinners, but they're normal in the angelic realm. And that's the enculturation we need. That enculturation of God's normal out of earthly normal. You know what lukewarm is? We take Christianity and become earthly normal. Spit out of his mouth. What does it mean to be spit out of his mouth? It means to live on the earth. To live on the earth is to be spit out of Messiah's mouth. Truth anyhow. Now we go into his mouth, which is in our spiritual stomach. We go into his spirit. We go into his river that proceeds from his throne. Out of your belly flow rivers. That is the gate of God. That is the entrance of the Sephirot. God required me to be fully God inside minded before Enoch's door opened up. He'll require it of all of you as well. There's no skipping maturing in your life. You'll have to develop all these things in your heart and it will be wonderful to do it. You will so enjoy the process. It is not even painful. It is pleasurable. The only part of you that feels the pain is the part of you that needs to be cut away, pruned. And oftentimes it's the things about God. It's our Christian understanding. Your biggest idols are your Christian ideas of how God's going to do it. 
how God's going to pay your bills, how God's going to make you successful, how God's going to heal, how God's going to deliver, how God's going to save America and save the nations from the fallen angels and the globalists. Your ideas are the biggest idols in your lives. Therefore, what do we do with idols, which are ideas? You must bring them to the fire, but we don't know where the fire is. The fire is the manifest Shekinah that comes from the scripture mixed with your spirit. The last few days we've had the Psalms on just non-stop for 48 hours or so, just going through 150 Psalms a day. And I noticed the glory so much stronger because of so much word going into our atmosphere. Just by putting that increased measurement of word into the atmosphere, into your spirit, into your soul, into your ears, all the time, the fire will intensify. Amen? And you take that fire as soon as you step out the door, you'll see every single person react to that fire. I'll be driving down the road and I'll watch every single head go, ooh, 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 ooh. It's sovereign. The Shekinah is sovereign. There's a sovereignty of the glory of God that affects everything, every spirit. Even animal impulses, the impulse of the flesh, that electricity of the clippeth, it gets struck. And this is why people react. They begin to get touched by a different electrical system. We want to touch the nations with the electricity of the glory from a higher rung of Jacob's ladder in 2024. We want to baptize them in lightning. Listen, lightning is only bad for demons. According to Enoch, lightning was salvation for the sons of God. I saw Satan fall. Just get rid of him with lightning. So the more lightning, you know what? The less devils. The more lightnings, the less principalities. We need a baptism of lightning. It reminds me of my conversion. October 15, 1999, when I got paralyzed by God for two and a half hours in the glory. And I remember it felt like 2,000, 10,000 watts of liquid lightning surging through my body. <laughs> that was the lightning that drove the devil out of me. And it's going to take lightning to drive the devil out of you. And if you don't think you have the demonic oppression, you don't understand how reality works. Everyone has demonic oppression under the sun. Over the sun, it's much less because you're in the realm where Adam's race was meant to dwell, which is over the earth. But under the earth and under the sun, you can only be oppressed un unless you're under the angelic rank and grace abounds because you're in the process of like a fish getting cleaned up. The transfiguration of the inner man in Tiferet is to prepare you for over the sun living. Amen. I saw an angel over the sun. That can be your spirit. An angel standing on the sun. The word angel there is the same word for the born again creature. Same exact word. So therefore, God is not calling you with your inner man to just stay at that level. He always will lead you in triumphant procession for you have a high calling in Christ Jesus. Whatever blockage you have put up in your life by your belief systems, if you can turn and hear the word vision will come which is deliverance blindness is bondage vision is freedom 
My people mm. perish for lack of vision. Living in the realms of continual visions and visitations with the Lord, with the Godhead, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a life of abundant, abundant life, eternal life, to know Him, know Him, see Him, hear Him, taste Him. New Testament Kabbalah is differentiated from its Old Testament counterpart in the sense that all of your senses are baptized in the glory as you rise, which means what? In the Old Testament Kabbalah, you know they were speaking Kabbalistic interpretation of Torah when they would say, come and see. But when Jesus Christ came in the flesh, he said, taste and see. What was the taste? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Pure light. Pure sapphire stone bread. How do you make bread? He made every kind of parable on the earth for us to know wisdom. Solomon had great wisdom as a gift from God, so when he'd look at the natural dimension and consider the ant, consider the way of a snake on a rock, consider the way of the eagle flying in midair, he understood something about the Shekinah. What gave him the ability as Solomon to reunite Shekinah with Tiferet? If you're selfish, it's about you getting into Tiferet. If you're a servant of God, it's about uniting that Shekinah with you, with God, with Tiferet in you, as you rise, which is the undoing of the curse. What was the curse of the fall when they reached out to take part in that Shekinah? and separate it from Tiferet. That's how you end up with a fallen earth. The only way to rectify that is to take your earthen vessel, your Malkut, onto the moon, standing on the moon, victorious, clothed in the sun. You get a new garment, your first new garment in the sun. The transfiguration is that garment of glory. Your first celestial garment, which is a transfiguration. The first transfiguration is of your innermost being, your spirit, through circumcision. Clothed in the sun, wearing a garment light, garment of light. And I looked and I saw the Father sitting on the throne. Brilliant in brightness, crowned in glory, never-ending glory, full of light, the father of lights, eyes blazing with fire. Hmm. Clothed in a garment. He wrapped himself in a garment of light. And as his children, he clothes you in a garment of light. And a life of obedience into Tiferet. 
There is a change that takes place in every Tiferet as the Father clothes you. He wraps you like he wraps himself. Because he loves you as he loves his own son. In a garment of glory. Celestial garments. He clothes you, he feeds you, he cares for you. And he gives you a simple instruction. And if you have the faith, like a childlike faith. Pure and innocent before him, without guile. Without ulterior motives. You can walk. Step by step. Into his throne of glory. And receive. A garment of light. No longer one of. The sons of Jacob out there trying to take Joseph's garment. But realizing that if they would just be a righteous one, that the Father has a garment just for you. He has a garment that he intended for you that he fashioned just for you. It's tailor-made. What does that mean? It doesn't fit anybody else. Custom-made just for you. And if somebody had beat you up, taken a garment, understand that when you rise above 70 nations, 70 languages, and that teaching of Gabriel, the gospel preached from midair, as you rise and it gives you the wisdom and it gives you the tongue, the holy tongue, train you in the holy tongue, that's the gospel, the ability to speak the true word of God from the heavenlies that you will receive a garment of light that no man and no angel fallen or otherwise can take from you because you live the life of Mary which is a broken and contrite spirit that sacrifice that he will never despise and what do we learn about the life of each Mary well, one of the lessons in the lives of the Marys, there's a Mary who chose the best thing. And it says in the word of God that it will not be taken from her. And it cannot be taken from her. Which means your faith in God's ability to raise you up into the heavenlies. God's ability to promote you. God's ability to protect you far outweighs now your belief in the enemy's ability to attack you. And so your rest and your trust is being made complete as you enter a greater rest, which is a greater Shekinah. That's the rest. And you go Shekinah to Shekinah, Sephirot to Sephirot as you ascend. And that is eternally going from glory to glory. And it glorifies his glory in you. And it glorifies his name in you and your Father in heaven is glorified, Father of lights, who wraps you and himself in garments of light. Amen. Thank you, Father, for glorifying your glory in each and every one of these people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.
Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed members of our beloved RLM TV community and honored guests, it is with a heart full of gratitude and excitement that I am before you today to discuss a matter of great importance, one that transcends the boundaries of our individual lives and reaches into the very core of our collective mission as viewers and supporters of RLM TV. Today we come together not only as fans but as stewards of a divine calling, a calling to support the works of ministry and secure a home for our spiritual journey right here in the heart of Florida. As many of you are aware, the ministry we share through RLM TV is not confined to digital screens before us. It extends beyond reaching into the lives of those in need, offering solace to the weary and spreading the message of love and compassion to all corners of our digital community. It is a ministry fueled by faith, compassion, and a deep-seated commitment to making a positive impact in the lives of others. Our vision is clear, our mission resolute, and the path ahead very promising. Yet to achieve the great heights we envision, we must confront the practical realities that come with the responsibility of sustaining and expanding our ministry through RLM TV. Today I stand before you to speak about the need for us to join hands and hearts in taking up support and offerings, not merely as an obligation, but as an opportunity to invest in the divine work we are collectively undertaking. First and foremost, let us reflect on the significance of supporting RLM TV. Support is not merely a financial transaction. It is a sacred act of obedience, trust, and gratitude. By giving our support, we express our faith in the divine providence that guides and sustains us. It is a way for us to acknowledge the blessings bestowed upon us and to share those blessings with others. When we support, we actively participate in the continuation of God's work through the powerful medium of RLM TV. Now as we consider the expansion of our ministry through RLM TV and the need for a permanent digital home here in Florida, let us view this as an exciting opportunity to sow seeds that will bear fruit for generations to come. Just as a farmer invests in fertile soil to yield a bountiful harvest, we too are called to invest in the digital soil of our community, providing a stable and nurturing environment for the growth of our spiritual family. The acquisition of resources is not a mere transaction. It is an investment in the future of our ministry through RLM TV. It is a commitment to create a space where lives will be transformed, where people will find refuge in times of trouble, and where the light of our shared faith will shine brightly for all to see on the screens that connect us. I understand that each of us has unique circumstances and the level of contribution may vary. However, let us remember that it is not the size of the offering that matters most, but the spirit with which it is given. Whether our gift is large or small, let it be a reflection of our dedication to the work of the divine through RLM TV. As we embark on this journey together, let us be inspired by the words of the Apostle Paul. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9.7 May our collective support overflow with joy and purpose. May our contributions be a testament to our commitment to the works of ministry through RLM TV and the establishment of a spiritual home in this beautiful part of God's creation. Together, let us build a legacy that will endure, a legacy that speaks not only of our faith, but of the boundless love that unites us all. Thank you, and may God bless each and every one of you abundantly as we embark on this sacred journey together through RLM TV. Amen.